it was uh oh we'll cut this out oh yeah but it was like uh fucking uh oh they they didn't follow protocols i pointed out that i did yeah and then said post the screenshots or shut up right yeah and then they're like uh oh, we need five days and to go on a stream to do it and it's like it sounds like you're just trying to farm engagement out of this that's what it sounds like you know and then like uh they were they uh said i used cln funds to hack what right yeah, and I was like, dude, I would pay That's somebody. That's my hacking to, money? <laughs> if, if, if I was going to waste CLN money, I'd pay somebody to organize my files. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking waste money on hacking somebody. <laughs> if I was going to do that, there's somebody I really want to fucking sue on Twitter for spreading uh, libel. You know, like legitimately calling people sex traffickers who are fighting sex trafficking. It's oh, like, That's fucked up. That's dangerous. That's dangerous yeah. to do. They deserve to be sued. Yeah. I would spend money hacking them. Yeah, and not Rick and crew. I asked for an apology. That's all I asked for. And I did not ask for it to be public. I asked for it to be private. I just wanted him to fucking apologize for fucking uh, basically supporting my genocide. You yeah. know, and, and that was something he brought up. That's not even something I fucking brought up. Like, uh, anyway. Yeah, I'll shut up now. Let's start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Mark's Madness Now, part of Chunkaluta. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Hey, you know what? That's not a bad. Not a, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be better if the Italian said it, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Did, did, uh, Prez is, is not here. They got, they got buboniced. <laughs> they got bubonic plague. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to go back to Sardini or something. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> 19 when is when are we in this book right now oh uh, we're 19 uh i thought it was 1929 maybe we're in 1930 are we already in 1930 i don't know i know we were getting there 24 to 30 i think was the yeah and the problem is i have to scroll up to find a year and then do context clues so you know what we'll, we'll just we're not gonna do that we'll let the we're, reading get to that <laughs> we are in fascist italy gramsci in prison years um, <laughs> with that, when we do resume, uh, speaking of where we are, we're going to be on, um, part two, uh, uh, war of position and war of maneuver, maneuver or frontal war. Uh, that's going to be on slide 165, kind of halfway down the left side before we get into the reading, um, as we don't, uh, intend to be a current event show and are, are going to work our way away from that, but sometimes things just need to be talked about. Um, we will talk about any current events we need to, obviously, uh, people are well aware the, uh, progression of the genocide in Palestine and anything we say now is probably going to get outdated. Um, and also you need to be well aware Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Yeah. Taylor Swift, Super Bowl. that's the most important news. Uh, <laughs> um, but in all, in all seriousness, uh, there also is, we've, we've covered, um what's going on in the congo and how it's you know m23 which is a, a militia largely backed by uganda and rwanda um with the full backing of the united states right basically to keep uh, a currently also u.s puppet uh running the congo in check and a lot of this has has kind of spurred out uh from the great african war of the the 90s and and the results of that um as you know the u.s basically just allowed the rwandan genocide to happen um as well while playing world police and and goma um is in the in the uh uh section of the congo you know right where it butts up rwanda and uganda and so we're looking at millions of more people being displaced as m23 makes their way towards goma uh, again so um you know i i think that's going to get forgotten in palestine but genocides happening to people in africa are still genocides and and we can't ignore that and we can't you know we can't let down the responsibility of the united states m23 doesn't exist without the u.s let's just be very very clear you know and uh so this is more imperialism especially during the expansion of africom which has been probably the biggest military expansion uh of the united states well and they had to after china 
yeah uh, undermined the clandestine networks there because that's how <laughs> a lot of the um, yeah uh superstructure was kept, superstructure yeah would that be the right term but uh, that's how a lot of the colonial structure was kept in place was mm -hmm. through clandestine networks to assassinate presidents when they didn't do what they wanted and shit like that and so now you literally have to rebuild an occupational force mm -hmm. i mean that's what's happening there's there's some interesting vestiges from that too like as the u.s expands africom and basically is more explicitly the colonial force themselves and are really creating the the situation of of this instability um but as some of that clandestine activity breaks down we've seen the west african coups and they've seemed a little less um, worried about booting the U.S. out in spite of the expansion because they have their eyes focused very hard on France and, and getting France out of those those countries. But um, France's colonial you know, weakness comes from those clandestine networks kind of being broken up. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting what's what's happening in Africa. But currently uh, we are looking at things that are not not just interesting, but incredibly tragic. Uh, of course, in the Congo and Sudan, all kind of buried under expanding war across West Asia as the U.S. you know bombs Yemen and continues to saber rattle about Iran, while um, the U.S. fully backs Israel's genocide of Palestinians, which of course is progressing towards Rafa now. Well, and then like I think Egypt has retracted any statements towards the effect that they'd end regular relations with Israel. Um, so it seems more and more likely that, yeah, I mean, like this is like a modern trail of tears. And when I like watch the Rafa stuff happen, like all I could think the entire time was this is wounded knee. You know, this is it's tense. They were forced there. Like literally what happens with wounded knee is they're assassinating leaders. So they assassinated Crazy Horse, then they assassinated Sitting Bull. And so then Sitting Bull's half-brother, who also helped lead um, the Lakota in um, the Black Hills Wars, um, you know, they were one of the leaders at um, the Battle of the Greasy Grass, or Little Bighorn. And um, he, uh, he, he took his people and started fleeing to Pine Ridge to seek refuge with Red Cloud, who... Um, had become sort of like an accepted acceptable leader among the hang around the fort types um so uh as he's fleeing you know the cavalry comes up and they're like oh okay that's no big deal just come set up here in this camp way out of your way you know and then they redirect them in the cavalry becomes the air force so when you're looking at who the fuck is murdering those people it's the, it's the cavalry again you know it's u.s cavalry half the time you know like half these people are literally new jersey citizens you know like not really half but you know it's it's enough to be a chunk of it, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of U.S. citizens that make up the Israeli population. And even then, the period where the 7th Cavalry was all coming over here, huge time for settlers coming in because the gold rush was going on, and it had pretty much subsided in California by that time. All the land had been taken up, and the Hursts, who made their fortune in the California gold rush, started sending people to the Black Hills through yellow journalism and basically stoked the fears that uh, allowed so many 7th Cavalry to be stationed there in a time of peace. Basically, they kept saying that, oh, Indian rebellions coming around. They even called us communists. They even called us communists. Like the original Red Scare that Hearst had a personal hand in, even the new one, like the one we all know, he had a personal hand in that. It started off with him calling Indians communists. Like this is a tale as old as time and you should learn this history because it's, of course, the communists should be aligned with the indigenous. <laughs> it's only the first fucking, you know, Red Scare or the original Red Scare. That's why Nick Estes uh, said that, you know. Anyway. Wounded knee. It's a wounded knee again. Yeah.
no, I mean that's that's important, and and I'm glad we tied that back. I uh, I don't have anything else under current events. I think you know genocides are kind of a big enough current event to take our attention, and uh, with multiple simultaneous ones, that's and and you know World War saber saber rattling happening. I I just don't I I don't have a lot of that I've seen going on outside of that right now. Well, yeah, I mean, all I have is a lot of jokes I can make about news that isn't that newsworthy. But hey, it's news. Like, uh, did you know that the Rongo Rongo script from Easter Island may predate Europeans? Oh, my God. (laughs) I'd hope. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? (laughs) That's not news. So anyway, yeah, we'll just jump into the reading, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can start off if you want, or uh, I don't think I read last time. So oh, rules. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. fucking yeah. I need to get in line. I need to get my ass in gear and start doing something around here. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> part two: War of Position, War of Maneuver, or Frontal War. It should be seen whether Bronstein Trotsky's famous theory about the permanent character of the movement is not the political reflection of the theory of war of maneuver. Recall the observation of the Cossack general Krasnov, uh, i.e. in the last analysis, a reflection of the general economic, cultural, social conditions in a country in which the structures of national, national life are embryonic and loose and incapable of becoming trench or fortress. In this case, one might say that Bronstein apparently Western was in fact a cosmopolitan, i.e. superficially national and superficially Western or European. Ilyich, on the other hand, was profoundly national and profoundly European. Um, and of course, as is is bracketed in there, and I, I mentioned the first one, uh, Ilyich is, is Lenin and, and Bronstein is Trotsky uh, under their real names, which worked as pseudonyms because they were known as their pseudonyms as revolutionaries, which is kind of weird, and I, I had it all mixed up last time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Bronstein in his memoirs recalls being told that his theory had been proved true 15 years later and replying to the epigram with another epigram. In reality, his theory as such was a good neither 15 years earlier nor 15 years later, as happens to obstinate of whom Gucciardini speaks. He guessed more or less correctly. That is to say, he was right in his more general practical prediction it is it it is as if one was to prophesy that a little four-year-old girl would become a mother and when at 20 she did so one said i guess that she would (laughs) overlooking the fact however that when she was four years old one had tried to rape the girl oh my god this got dark quick um in the belief that she would become a mother even then holy shit that was audibly gassed i think i just woke up my kid i Okay. I was we're not gonna go back. That. We're gonna Holy cut that, shit. and we're gonna put a little bit of a content warning on sexual that, so. assault. Say. Yes. Okay. Holy fuck. Okay. Holy shit. Okay. Holy. I was not expecting that. Whoa. Okay. So, we're talking about Trotsky, and we're talking about um, the the idea of Trotsky saying that in 15 years his permanent revolution was proved correct. This, of course. Um, being that you know after he fled after after 15 years uh there would be fascist elements uh bleeding into the soviet union and so he's saying aha you know i can't um um actually judging by the year of this that can't even be true so what is he talking about 15 years proof true i don't i'm gonna have to figure that one out prez isn't here prez isn't here on the wrong day um we're gonna look like idiots because i don't Well, I, I don't mean, know I, it's about Trotsky. So. Yeah, I mean, I I know I know a I know a decent amount given I didn't realize his real name because my memory is is fantastic. Uh, but tracking the year here, like this can't be fifteen years since his permanent revolution, and and I'm wondering what he's talking about being proved right. But anyway, Trotsky is given this overly generic being proved right, and so content warning: Gramsci is going to allude to sexual assault of a very young child. Uh, in order to say that um, 
that predicting a girl would eventually be a mother does not make your theory true. Um, we're going to skip past that sentence at this point, uh, as we were in a little bit of a shock and awe at the, <laughs> the, the throat that uh, uh, Gramsci decided to go for in this case. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm just saying. I just so we're we're just gonna skip ahead past that sentence and just realize as Stalinists, a- you know, supposedly <laughs> the fact that we're like, bro, we're gonna protect you a little because this was a little too much, you know, <laughs> like ugh, yeah, whew. yeah. So um, this is so as bad as this take that not tipping people makes them revolutionary. <laughs> Um, so Granchi's not always right, and maybe even this, he's he's right in that in in what he's trying to say with the analogy. But holy shit, was this? Don't don't do that analogy, folks. Ah, uh, it seems to me that Ilyich understood that a change was necessary from the war of manure applied victoriously. You know what I just realized? This is like the equivalent of Vash's tactical N word. You know? Oh my god! <laughs> like, dude, no. Don't need to use that in your argument. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Uh, it seems to me that Ilyich understood that a change was necessary from the War of Maneuver applied victoriously in the East in 1917 to a war of position, which was the only form possible in the West, where, as Krasnov observes, armies could rapidly accumulate endless quantities of munitions, where the social structures were of themselves still capable of becoming heavily armed fortifications this is what the formula of the united front seems to me to mean and it corresponds to the conception of a single front for the entente under the sole command of foch foch wonder who this guy is or foch do you know how to pronounce that no i was gonna say this sounds like foch Foch, a french general and military theorist Oh, he was probably some dude in the. Oh, oh, I know who this is. This is this is not World War Two, but World War One. He was the the Allied, you know, kind of like if you're the leader of NATO before the NATO. Like I was gonna say, this is the the Allied command guy. Yeah, like uh, was League of Nations? Yeah, the would that be no the League the League of Nations. League of well, yeah, I mean, this would be before, right. I'm like, this would be before the League of Nations that was formed after World War One in response oh, to it. Yeah, Holy yeah, shit. yeah. So this would be this is just like a, a a normal military. I mean, that's what NATO really is, right? It's a, it's a military alliance. This would be a normal military alliance in the middle of World War One, and he kind of like was the front leader of the first of the world wars. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, um. But that's he's basically saying like um, like going after Trotsky's idea of permanent revolution would be like uh, World War One because Foch is in command and Foch, you know, is is strategically right about certain things that everyone should have followed under Foch directly in like one specific garrison marching across Europe, which would have been fucking ridiculous and deadly. Um, so that that I think is a little more. I don't know fundamentally not immoral sound (laughs) metaphor there gramsci let's stick to that um ilyich however did not have time to expand on his formula though it should be borne in mind that he could only have expanded it theoretically whereas the fundamental task was a national one that is to say it required a reconnaissance of a terrain and identification of the elements of trench and fortress represented by the elements of civil society in the east the state was everything civil society was primordial and gelatinous oh we're back to the 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 primordial gelatin dude this is like his thing like he was like primordial gelatin that's good that's real good you know (laughs) (laughs) all i keep thinking is eldritch jello In the West, there was a proper relation between state and civil society, and when the state trembled, a sturdy structure of civil society was at once revealed. The state was only an outer ditch, behind which there stood a powerful system of fortresses and earthworks, more or less numerous from one state to the next. It goes without saying, but this has precisely necessitated an accurate reconnaissance of each individual country. Bronstein's theory can be compared to that of a certain French syndicalist to, on the general strike and to Rose's theory and the work translated by Alessandri. 
Rose's pamphlet and theories anyway influenced the French syndicalist, as is clear from some of Rosemer's articles on Germany in Vauvert is the best I'm going to try to pronounce that the first series in pamphlet form. Uh, and it partly depends too on the fear of spontaneity selected prison notebooks, page two thirty six to two thirty eight, And I am not going to pretend to pretend to speak French. And I'm going to find out what the hell Vauvert is because it looks like it's talking about eggs. Um, Egg landlords? No. <laughs> it is a newspaper, a French trade unionist newspaper. There we go. So that's the trade unionist paper, the, the cynicalist paper. Um, yeah, so okay. Rough analogies aside, uh, this is actually something that we're talking about pres not being here, but I can be a little bit good to speak to, even if I'm a little confused about the proven right in 15 years thing okay trotsky's idea basically is that you know you can't have communism in one spot we need to fight for the the, the world the international revolutions because otherwise the capitalists will just come and get us anyway right this is a, a world revolution now fundamentally broadly that's correct you know you can't say like oh we got capital or we got communism in the soviet union job well done pack it on boys right um but the question is what it's saying and what it means, right? And what that means is continuing to fight in, in civil war um, across Europe and never really, obviously, to some degree, you were still fighting in however clandestine or open way. And to some degree, you're building a, a communist country, a communist economy, a communist culture right back home. And you're founding a state that will wither away. And Trotsky's theory wanted to lean more in the fighting. Okay, wanted to lean more in the, the the upsetting revolution and the toppling countries, things like that. Whereas Stalin, the communism in one country is not. Hey, we put it in one country. Tada! We have full communism. Obviously, it's about you defense. <laughs> yeah, it's about defense and building a state, and it's about practicality in the real world and saying, "Hey, we have this communist nucleus. We have our seed. Let's plant it so this tree can grow." Well, and my argument, right, is when we're looking at the United States as a prison house of nations, why can't you seek the national liberation of one indigenous nation where you are yeah. to build up a socialist nation there <laughs> in the middle of the United States and create forms of dual power that the Soviets had yeah. in the form of the Soviets? Yeah, and and there's there's a lesson to be learned there too, right? Because at that time there was an assumption that germany would be that and and the revolution just happened in russia because it was attempted everywhere and one emerged right and so you know if all these indigenous nations um are, are going for you know attempting the to to start the revolution there at the same time one will emerge reality will teach us the lessons that's what materialism is will give us the evidence to draw our conclusions from and it's right? not like Indigenous nations aren't seeking independence. It's happening yeah. all over, all over. Yeah. So you get a revolutionary independent and and especially if it's communist uh, on top of that indigenous nation and you can build the revolution from there. And that is the socialism of one country. That's the Stalin side. Well, and this. that's but my entire program, you know, <laughs> like yeah. the, my entire theory is just what if we applied the lessons to our conditions? Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. And it's something that early on. Because broadly, when explained, it's correct. It had a lot of public buy-in on Trotsky's side. And there was still, like, there was a ch percentage of people that were, were backing Trotsky still, too. But overwhelmingly, the public turned toward Stalin. And some of that was, you know, I mean, Stalin, I mean, pushing that theory out and explaining it to people and, and, and whatever. And Stalin was, of course, respected as the country's leader. So Stalin's going to have some advantage turning that. But it's not going to go to, like, you know... 80, 90% to 10% um, from, you know, losing 50, if it wasn't just obviously right to the public and revealing itself to be more correct, or at least in that public's interest. Right. And, and, and we saw 70 years of a revolutionary country outside of that. And we saw, we saw from that, you know, the defeat of, of Nazi Germany and, and the Axis powers. We saw, um, in Africa that staved off the massive crawl of U.S. expansion. The U.S. has like, what, 800 bases outside of the United States. And 
Oh, it's not 800 outs. I think it's like 800 altogether, isn't it? Oh, 800 altogether. Okay. Um, it's at least 100 something outside the United States, but in Africa, especially, but all over the world, the U.S. bases like ballooned after the Soviet Union fell. So, you know, it was it was a, a bastion against U.S. empire as it existed. All those things because they they took the lesson of communism in one country and applied it. And if they they applied it imperfectly, you know, I mean, if you assume it's on a linear scale and they didn't quite get the we're on the line right. Or if you're more realistic and know it's a series of decisions and they maybe didn't make every decision correctly in that series. Um, the general thesis half of, of it, them are at home. Half of them are abroad. <laughs> oh, my God. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's that's hundreds upon hundreds of bases abroad. And the rest of the world bases. What is there like 200 countries? Yeah. Yeah. It's 170 something countries. And and uh, most 30 of, of them are in Afghanistan. Oh, there's a fuck ton in Germany, too. They like they oh, want to yeah, keep yeah. Europe under control. Um. But uh, uh, the other thing, too, is like the rest of the world, as far as bases outside oh, the country, mean they replaced the military that conquered most of Europe in like a year. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> After sheltering them and, and you know, mm. yeah. Weird. Mm hmm. Um, what's going on. <laughs> uh, but also, like, you know, the the uh, uh, other thing about this, I think the total bases for, like, the rest of the world combined is something like 20 or 30, and, like, 90% of those are from European countries. Like, the total bases outside of one's own borders. So, like, if you have six military bases, but five are in your borders and one's out, I'm talking, like, one in that, you know, to make that 30. Which is, compared to the hundreds of the U.S., that's just insane, the scale of the difference. No, yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know. It puts into real perspective when people are like, "What? The U.S. isn't a colony anymore. Why do they need? <laughs> yeah, why do they need all these bases? bases here? What, what is the point? Like, of they're that? not for defense. Just so you know, none yeah. of the bases are for defense. Quit lying to yourself. They're all offensive. Ask yourself why forage of them are here. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to figure out." Mm -hmm. Um, but they'll just cope with exceptionalism because that's the only way to cope with it. Uh, <laughs> moving on to part three, transition from the war of maneuver and from frontal attack to the war of position in the political field as well. This seems to me to be the most important question of political theory that the most po that the post-war period has posed and the most difficult to solve correctly. It is related to the problems raised by Bronstein who in one way or another can be considered the political theorist of frontal attack in a period in which it only leads to defeats. <laughs> now, see, that is how you roast them. That's good, Gramsci. Uh, this transition in political science is only indirectly, immediately related to that uh, to that which took place in the military field, although certainly a relation exists and an essential one. The war of position demands enormous sacrifices by infinite masses of people. So an unprecedented concentration of hegemony is necessary and hence a more interventionist government, which will take the offensive more openly against the oppositionists and organize permanently the impossibility of internal disintegration. With controls of every kind, political, administrative, etc., reinforcement of the hegemonic positions of dominant groups, the positions was in quote, uh, etc. All of this indicates that we have entered a culminating phase in the political historical situation. Since in politics, the quote, war of position, unquote, once won is decisive definitively. In politics, in other words, the war of maneuver subsists so long as it is a question of winning positions, which are not decisive, so that all the resources of the state's hegemony cannot be mobilized. But when, for one reason or another, these positions have lost their value and only the decisive positions are at stake, then one passes over to siege warfare. This is a concentrated, difficult, and requires exceptional qualities of patience and inventiveness. In politics, the siege is a reciprocal one, despite all appearances and the mere fact that the ruler has to muster all his resources demonstrates how seriously he takes his adversary. Selected Prison Notebooks, page 238 to 239. Um, I, I think that's a good, it's a good summation against like, oh my God, authoritarianism, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> you can't you can't just put people at gunpoint and say agree with us and and we're doing this ideology the, the society is just going to break you're you're going to have to get people bought in but you don't get people bought in by asking nicely or just throwing out a book education is is massively important right but you're going to have to send out education you're going to have to stop disruption and and um um Oh, I can't think of the word for someone trying to wreck the revolution. I mean, I guess counter-revolutionary wrecking would yeah. work fine, but there's there's a, a word I'm thinking of. Um, you know, I mean, like fascist undermining. <laughs> undermine, yeah, undermining the revolution. There you go. Um, like fascist, you know, attempts to to disrupt and and propagandize the wrong way, right? You're gonna have to cut out some of the ancient alien shit that people are chasing, <laughs> or um, you know, or cover it, yeah, and use it to educate you yeah know, I, I like to attack all that stuff yeah so, no i i, I mean i want to deal with jones i think that's a little silly <laughs> and also other people are doing it but you know yeah. like i i joke about the ancient aliens but like actually you know like making racism enforceably illegal in some ways you know that's that's the kind of stuff like protecting um um colonized people right from well you don't have violence. to like it's not something you can just criminalize away right? well like, it's something that needs to be educated away and it's going to take a long time but like one sure. of the best elements is the cultural um upheaval that comes with a, establishing a pro cult in your organizing when you're organizing you need to maintain your principles and morals otherwise there is no example for the proletariat and the um working uh masses to follow right um because we cannot let morality stay in the hands of the bourgeoisie as gramsci says we need to redefine it for the proletarians um sensibilities right because it's not you know when people hear proletarian they go colonialism which isn't wrong mm -hmm. you know that's usually what it means um and it's not wrong to struggle against proletarization, right? I, I don't think everybody needs to be a prole. No, um, yeah. But the point is, is that the proletariats are the ones with the organizational capacity to weld urban and rural together. And it's because of the um, economic relations that make it an easy bridge, right? I theorize that it's when res Indian proles start working with urban Indian proles real good that will actually start to see a coherent mm -hmm. indigenous vanguard start to form, but it, it takes a lot. You know, you, you have to um, really struggle with a lot of contradictions that I don't think people are ready for. Right? Like, so 70% of indigenous people live off the reservation. How do you do land back? Oh, well, yeah. it's all Indian land, right? It's yeah. not just about the reservations. That's the answer. It's all or bust, you know? Mm -hmm. It is decolonization or it's fucking barbarism continued. You know, like it, we're in barbarity. This is a post-apocalyptic wasteland. You know, that's how I would describe it. Because mm -hmm. there, used, there used to be no homelessness. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if a dude needed a home, you gave him a home. That's profound, you know, like, and it's, it's not something you can't live today. Like we're literally in the middle of trying to secure three trailers that were donated to us. All we have to do is pay for their, um, hauling. That's like, you can just give those away actually funny enough. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a human, it's a human driven economy and I'm almost tempered not to use that that word human driven because then some people get a little like it's consumer driven it's it's no 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 no. what we would need would be a, a human driven oh oh well yeah like we're talking about someone needs a home give them a home like that oh, would yeah, be, yeah that would be human driven but i'm 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 you know late to say i would say life driven life driven there that's you know, that's it's, the it's about term. creating these relationships that mm -hmm. promote life over death like if your society isn't determining its progress by what it can create and bring life to, mm -hmm. I don't want it. You know, <laughs> I really don't want it. Yeah. You know, because like a lot of what I see now is like, here's this thing we replaced a living being for. Yeah. So, oh, it's... cool. We couldn't just like <laughs> protect that thing. 
I feel like yeah. it would be easier to protect the thing we already had. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and in contrast to that, too, I, I almost want to hammer out these terms because we're talking theory, too. In contrast to that, capitalism is not just profit driven, because I think that oversimplifies it or property driven, uh, but it's accumulation driven, right? That yeah. wealth is power, is land, is natural resources, is wealth, more is power, best. more is more is more. Yeah. So you you would be transitioning from accumulation driven to life driven. And you're not going to just, you know, it, that's going to take some effort, right? And a lot of that effort is going to be things that people will label, oh my God, authoritarian, but it's it's reconstructing an economy in a more just way. Well, and then like some of those things, you got to be authoritarian about certain things. Like right. no getting around it. <laughs> are you just going to let people organize a fascist militia to overthrow you? Yeah. That doesn't yeah, make like, any, you like do that. you should at least encourage people to put a stop to it at the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And some people would say that's sicking brown shirts on them. If you want to be fucking crazy, like if you want to be hyperbolic about, you know, what's real. Well, hyperbolic and facile. That's that's it looks like it. So it must be true shit. You know? like, yeah, a group of people can look that, like another group of people if you boil it down to it's a group of people. Yeah, yeah. right. I, you know, you, guys with guns look like other guys with guns. Well, yeah, if you only define oh. them as guys with guns. There's that one meme. It's like, I bowed my head in shame, unaware that there was no difference in good and bad things. Yes. <laughs> That's an old drill tweet. The, 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 oh, is that who? Of course, it's yes. a drill tweet. <laughs> All right, so I'll start reading. Yeah, you go ahead. Transition from the war of maneuver and from frontal attack to the war position. Oh, we we just just did that section. We're on section four, internationalism and national policy. It was was at the top. And I was like, it must be the title that's at the top. But I also have that at the bottom. So I'm like, really? I just guessed wrong. A work in the form of questions and answers by Joseph Basarian Stalin. That is not one you hear often. No, no. And and again, I know these are pseudonyms, and I know Lenin's because he wrote under Ilyich so much. But I, Bornstein and, and Basarian, I don't ever think of as Trotsky and Stalin. Or what did Trotsky also go by? It was like L. Dave Bohr or something like that the other day. That was that was cool. Oh, yeah, I don't. Remember. <laughs> yeah so it's <laughs> um, i don't know i love to see the names yeah so you got to look out for uh, leo david and bornstein i think i think stalin's actual last name uh in in georgian was like really really long too and, and uh, it was like uh Iglovich. Ig- i don't know i can't forget yeah that. i, I <laughs> Dugovich. i don't i remember yeah, the it, begins, it begins that. with a d and it's very long and i do not speak Georgian. So yeah, that's why I'm like <laughs> ah. yeah. I don't know how to begin the sentence. I don't know if it's actually a D sound or if I'm being tricked. Yeah. Dugishvelli. Dugishvelli, that's it. So I'm assuming Basarian here is probably his middle name, like uh uh like Davidovich for or it was David something, Davidovich for for Trotsky, Leo Leon Davidovich. Something I don't like remember. that. Okay. So I'm guessing Basarian is middle name. Like so. Dating from September. Okay, I work in the form of questions and answers by in the form of question and answers. Why would you need to put that? <laughs> Stalin dating from September 1927. It deals with certain key prom- problems of the science and art of politics. The problem which seems to me to need further elaboration is the following. How, according to the philosophy of praxis, as it manifests itself politically, whether as formulated by its founder, Marx, or particularly as restated by its most recent great theoretician, Lenin, the international situation should be considered in its national aspect. In reality, the internal relations of any nation are the result of a combination which is original and in a certain sense, unique. These relations must be understood and conceived in their originality and uniqueness if one wishes to dominate them and direct them. To be sure, the line of development is towards internationalism, but the point of departure is national, and it is from the point of departure that one must begin. Yet the perspective... 
I like this from style. It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> flying is flying and you need an airport where you land, but you, you kind of need a strip to take off from too. <laughs> where do you start? Yeah. Yet the perspective is international and cannot be otherwise. Consequently, it is necessary to study accurately the combination of national forces, which the international class, the proletariat, will have to lead and develop in accordance with the international perspective and directives, i.e. those of the common turn. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> anyway, the leading class is in fact only such if it accurately interprets this combination of which it, it's, it is itself a, compo a component and I, I usually highlight the words and I was trying not to today and precisely as such is able to give the moment of a certain direction within certain perspectives. It is on this point, in my opinion, that the fundamental agreement between Leo Davidovici. So it was, up, Davidovici. It, was, it was Davidovici. Yeah. Shut up. Let the book read. Always, always shut up. Let the book read. <laughs> and Basarian as interpreter of the majority movement Bolshevism, of the majority movement Bolshevism, which just means the majority, doesn't it? Or the people? Yeah, well, it, it literally means the, the, the majority, but it was actually misnamed. It was the minority that set up the meeting and Trotsky, or not Trotsky, uh, uh, Lenin basically chased most of them off until he had the majority that day. <laughs> it's proved right. It's the theory that, that won the revolution much, much later, but that... It's kind Takes of a time. funny, weird name. <laughs> it's a goal. It's an aspiration. Well, it's much like Chunkaluta. Our goal is a red road that many people can walk. Um, let's see. The accusations of nationalism are inept if they refer to the nucleus of the question. If one studies the majoritarian struggle from 1902 up to 1917, one can see that its major that a its originality consisted in purging internationalism of every vague and purely I one can see that it's originally consisted in purging internationalism of every vague and purely ideological in a pejorative sense element to give it a realistic political content. It is in the concept of hegemony that those ex exigencies the fuck is that? <laughs> Okay, which are national in character are knotted together. One can well understand how certain tendencies either do not mention a concept or merely skim over it. The colonial question, <laughs> which I mean, that yeah. was a problem Stalin was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The class. I mean, like this is probably referring to it. You know, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't have everything right. And and Gramsci knows it, you know, from being a Sardinian, you know. Um, but uh, the exigencies, I think I, I um, we need to, to make sure we get because that is a little unusual word. That's like, oh, my yeah, God, yeah. like like it's on fire type emergency type stuff, like top priority um, stuff that comes up, you know, like, oh, I'm I'm installing my pipes. That's a uh, crap pipe burst in my my, my house. Like, yeah. I said extreme emergencies in my head. That's why. <laughs> that's yeah, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's anything disruptive. That's top priority to correct. So a class that is international character has in as much as its guides, social strata, which are narrowly national intellectual. Okay. Hold on. A class that is international character has, in as much as it's got as it guides social strata, which are narrowly national intellectuals, and indeed frequently even less than national, particularistic and municipalistic, the peasants to nationalize itself in a certain sense. Okay, so it's like, hey, get your communities together. Yeah, you know to become a bigger thing yeah i mean intellectuals we've talked about being the spokespeople of the bourgeoisie right so if you're only national uh in the sense of the intellectuals and all all the smaller communities are divided it's not a, a nationalistic movement and in that sense you definitely have to be nationalist to be international because nationalism is about uniting which again 
um, you know, we've we've talked about uh, the the formation of Italy and, and that stuff leading to fascism, but it nonetheless also was was formed Italy. And I, Girabelli, is that the the guy? I can't remember what what the, there is way too many Italian names. too many Italian names. But the guy that united Italy, um, you know, I mean, I'm gonna say it's Girardelli, and that's why we named the chocolate. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, Gramsci just saw the 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 ramifications of that you know that the country just saw that right and it's a little different in that sense because there's a, a colonial character to it but it still kind of you know gave italy strength has to be for for any kind of international movement and so moreover this sense is not a very narrow one either since before the conditions can be created for an economy that follows a world plan it is necessary to pass through multiple phases in which the regional combinations of groups of nations may be of various kinds further should have and let the book read david yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly we need to just like have Nathan record that. Shut up and let the book read, David. <laughs> we do it. It's have that have that to go off just like the boo boo boo. Yeah, exactly. And it, it must never be forgotten that historical development follows the laws of necessity until the initiative has decisively passed over to those forces which tend towards construction in accordance with a plan of peaceful and solidarity. Is it? Is that right? Is Solidarity. that word? Yeah. Okay. Division. I've just never seen that word. Division of labor. That non-national concepts, i.e. ones that cannot be referred to each individual country, are erroneous, can be ab absurdo. They have led to passivity and inertia in two quite distinct phases. One, in the first phase, nobody believed that they ought to make a start. That is to say, they believed that by making a start, they would find themselves isolated. They waited for everybody to move together, and nobody in the meantime moved or organized the movement. Two, the second phase is perhaps worse, because that is being awaited in an anachronistic and anti-natural form of Napoleonism. Since not all historical phases repeat themselves in the same form, the theoretical weakness of this modern form of the old mechanism uh, mechan yeah, mechan mechanicisms, whatever, are masked by the general theory of permanent revolution, which is nothing but a generic forecast presented as a dogma and which demolishes itself by not, in fact, coming true. Well, it could. Yeah. <laughs> it still could. It could win out. <laughs> come on come on you guys haven't even tried it <laughs> yeah, yeah i just think it's funny as fuck it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh we never did it <laughs> that, there's that, a reason that arrested development joke is like yeah everybody that tries this has failed but it could work for us oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this time it could be different it could be different <laughs> um oh let's see i mean like there's it's not wrong in the sense that you must always be striving to build up the yeah. uh, revolution, you know, but like that turns into like exporting it constantly and then pissing everybody off, mm -hmm. you know, and then mm -hmm. you end yeah. up creating more contradictions that you have to deal with. And, yeah. You're going to have to have public buy-in. And there's also part of it on here that talks about like, everybody's just kind of, if you're not organized, if you're not driving it. Everybody's just kind of waiting around to say, go, right. It's kind of that whole, you know, well, that's where we are now. Right, like yeah, if, we're just sitting it. there. Build um, the vanguard, do it. But let's let's say let's say we we build the vanguard and and like came to power and then we just like didn't unite things nationally. We were just like, oh, yep, we got the revolution going, right? Um, okay, what's <laughs> who's in charge? What does the revolution mean? Where does it go? You know, I mean, you you got to do that, and and all of that again can seem like uh, in Trotsky's eyes, you know, uh, a nationalism. That's that's somehow contradicting internationalism. And of course, you know, in very liberal sense, that's that's the authoritarianism, too, that always seems to be alluded to. Like, you've got to tell people, like, let's go. This is our project. We're going to move the economy this way. Like someone's got to do that. It's kind of the the whole, you know, you find yourself in a situation where someone needs to call an ambulance. You don't go. Somebody call 911. You look at somebody and go, you call 911. Right. You need well, somebody right, to do yeah. that. 
And a lot of people don't get that. I because it's like I hate being the person to be like, go do that. You know? Yeah, it sucks, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah, like that's <laughs> you know? literally all Chunkaluta is. Is I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll tell people to do it. Like <laughs> that's it. Here we are. <laughs> um, should we end it? You're muted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, we go ahead and end it. <laughs> so yeah, the good, good stopping point. Uh, we're on. We made it two pages. Yep, yep. When when it's me and Shikmani too, we are not reading a lot of pages. We're not smart, <laughs> <laughs> but at least we can admit it. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening. If you hate David's takes. Because uh, mine are perfect. No. <laughs> if you hate our takes, direct them at Prez at Marxy Marks too. Uh, <laughs> be like, uh, tell them they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, in all seriousness, reach out to us at, at Marks Madness Pod on Twitter, um, at Chunkaluta Org, or at what? What is that? Decolonial Marks. <laughs> Wait, what's my Twitter tag? Yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, we have emails, network at gmail.com or marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, you know, there's a bunch of other social medias. They're all listed on our link tree. There you can find other projects we're associated with. And more importantly, you can find all the many good things we are doing right now to help people. Um, so currently... We're vaguely raising money while we await the specific details uh, for three trailers that were donated to us. Um, obviously, whatever's left over, we'll inform people about and tell you where that's going. But, you know, until then, we need a vague amount of money. And we have like a tw- we have 2500 I'd have to look at the bank account. I don't know exactly how much. I think it's $2,500 right now, though, towards moving these trailers. So we shouldn't need too much help. You know? <laughs> like, oh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, other than that, um, one of our members is looking to start a program in their local area. And they're hoping to get $1,000 a month towards that. If you'd like to contribute towards that project or any of our other projects we got going on, there's a Libra pay and a Patreon. Um, we're waiting on them to make a donation pool. Maybe I, I, I don't know what's going on with that, but you know, if you direct the uh, monthly amounts that you want to go to them directly, let me know. It's going to be going on over in Vancouver to help a houseless encampment over there. Um, you know, we do the same thing in Toronto um, and other places, but these are public ones. So, um, you know, we try not to talk about all of our projects too publicly for OPSEC reasons, because um, I try to have good OPSEC. <laughs> um, <laughs> other people don't for some reason. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, uh, these are worthwhile reasons to support us monthly. And the Mark's Madness pod will always go on weekly for free. We'll always read you theory. And then the Chunkaluta podcast, you get 12 episodes guaranteed a year, ideally more. I'm a busy person, so I'd rather not overpromise and underdeliver. I'd over rather overdeliver and underpromise, you know, um, just, uh, I really hate not following my word. Like I hate that the website's not up. It was supposed to be up in September of last year. Sucks. <laughs> but what are you going to do? You know, uh, things happen, you know? <laughs> so, you know, look forward to that. That should be releasing soon, actually. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and then uh, we have the audio documentary coming down the line about Wounded Knee 1973, which happened um, literally at the end of this month, um, 51 years ago this year. Um, this is a project I've been working on for like four years now or something, five years, a crazy long time. Uh, <laughs> like I was like 20 or 19 when I started. And um, like it started off, I was just 
doing the series on Bands of Turtle Island for free. Um, and then uh, podcasts that Jacobin ran, saw it, and then offered me like $10,000 to do it. And I went, well, I'm not getting paid. So, yeah. You know? <laughs> it was an obvious choice. <laughs> oh, money for my labor that I'm doing for free? Okay. You know, and then, uh, you know, I made sure to maintain all creative control and stuff like that. But that podcast dissolved due to tax reasons. <laughs> so now it doesn't matter. Jacobin's name's not on it. <laughs> and I just got the money. So cool. <laughs> but it should be really cool, um, especially now that I don't have Jacobin. Um, censoring anything it's not really censoring it's that they really wanted to limit my time and i think uh telling the story it should be told right so since they did that i'm in the middle of reviewing the completed scripts we've had already which we've only completed about half of them um because some of them um got weird because we became part of the story so it's kind of confusing on how to end the series. And I'm more waiting to see how the other episodes finalize before wrapping up. Because it's only supposed to be six parts. I'm thinking about increasing it to ten. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm allowed to do that now. But, like, uh, you know, the Real News Network is still waiting on me to finish, too. So, you know, they're the only ones whose names are still going to be on it. And then creditation to the red nation for use of their archives which was a by word agreement nick and i had that i guess he could rescind but he never has um <laughs> uh that's why we did the red deal here they told me i could and then never told me to stop so uh, uh yeah uh that's all we got going on lots of good reasons to support us that are like, there's other things going on besides what I do, by the way. Like, there's way more. And I just advertise my stuff because my stuff alone, I think, is worth supporting the network as we pay other organizers that are way more incredible than me. You know, $500 stipends is the goal. So we have a permaculture expert going in March to the land who we're securing a trailer for right now. Um, and It was supposed to be a teepee, so they're getting a whole ass fucking trailer. That's pretty cool, you know. Get to move somewhere and you have your own house. That's cool. That's a cool thing to be able to do for our organizers. Um, you know, and then we're giving two community members homes. You know, one's going to wound a knee, actually. Uh, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, kind of wild. Wow. What a wild. And that's what I mean. It's kind of hard to finish this when I'm putting houses on the place I'm covering like that's a weird weird place to be in very i don't even know how to describe that it's mind-boggling it's meta that's, that's it, yeah it's very meta yeah like i'm like <laughs> hold on do i end this series talking about myself yeah and i mean like and that's an option like i could go past we were only ever going to go up to the shootout in Oglala and then kind of cover the legacy after, which was going to be a very quick. But now we could take the time to kind of dissect the fall of Russell Means, if you will, um, which is something that interests me, but I also think is worth another series. But that's a whole nother fucking thing. And you can weigh in on, you know, um, we're going to put up another poll because I believe we had a extra entry that did fairly well or no we had a second entry that did really well and we had other books that couldn't fit on the poll for the next book um and i've decided no matter what we're doing decolonial marxism i'm putting together the team no whites allowed <laughs> uh it's going to be centered on black communists um i'm going to try to shut up as much as possible um and just like you know keep us within the time frame basically <laughs> um but it should be really good 
And um, this is something I've been trying to put together forever. And for one reason or another, it's fallen through. So I'm glad to see it finally come into fruition. And uh, you'll see that by the end of the year, along with another bonus series, possibly a third, depending on when this finishes and stuff. Because actually the next book might not even be decolonial Marxism that starts launching. And we got to figure out and talk about when to release everything. So, you know, just a lot going on. Come, come support it. Yep. And uh, so a good conglomerate site to get all that was mentioned was the link tree is uh linktr.ee slash chunkaluta network. Oh, I uh, guess we should say that. huh? Yeah, that's okay. Got you covered. Um, and with that, uh, this has been Mark's Madness Pod, part of Chunk Luton Network. We read books. My name's David. My name is Shumani, too. Sorry. I was trying to talk. It was <laughs> muted. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Talk to you.